Hello, everyone, and welcome into a very exciting new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. If you can't tell from my voice, I'm like over the moon about this episode today because joining us today, we have the playwright Elizabeth Copeland and the producer Brett Ricky, and they are here to talk to us about Abington Theater's upcoming presentation of the show Till Death. It's playing November 24th through December 23rd at Theater Row, and you can get your tickets and more information at abingtontheater.org. This is one of the most anticipated shows of the fall slash winter season coming up. And we are so excited to have these two phenomenal artists on our show to talk to us about it. So we're just going to skip ahead and welcome on our guest, Elizabeth Brett. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, Thank you so much, Andrew. And I've never been called a phenomenal artist before, so I want to say a huge thank you for that. You have made my year. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, your 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 resume speaks for itself, and the show definitely speaks for itself. I am so excited. This show has gotten so much buzz about it, not just for the actual show, but also for this incredible cast that you all have lined up. I, I'm so excited about this piece. So I want to start, Elizabeth, with you and have you tell us a little bit about what your show Till Death is about. Okay, well, the this, this short answer is it's about the last day of a mother's life and her family who comes together to give her a good death. How bad can that be? Right? So it's it's about... It's about love. It's about forgiveness. It's about betrayal. It's about all those things that kind of come together at the end of a person's life, whether it's your life or a loved one's life. It's about reflections. It's about living. It, you know, one of the things I like to say, in fact, I mentioned this to the director yesterday, this show puts the fun back in dysfunctional, you know, to your average family over a deathbed. That's what it's about. Well, how did you come up with the idea for this show? Well, to be honest with you, it is loosely based on about four actual deaths that I was involved in. I didn't cause them you know, there when it you know, kind of happened. But one of the things that I realized when these deaths occurred in my real life or occurred like my best friend at the time lost her husband in an accident was that people didn't like to talk about death. So I actually kind of put my... Artistic skills—I use that term lightly—but I started to write a play about it. I, I, I should just back up a little bit and say, you know, I grew up in Texas, but graduated from high school early, wanted to get the hell out of there, moved to New York City to be an actress. Realized after two years I could either eat or pay rent. I could not do both, so I got a degree, had a forty-year marketing career, and then went back to theater. But quite frankly, acting and directing are just too physical for me at the moment. So I turned my skills, quote unquote, in towards writing. And so I started to write about my experience and just kind of put all these ideas and all these things that happened to me into a single play, which started off as a, as a one act that received awards. I had a six week run at the Lonnie Chapman Theater in Los Angeles. And from that, it grew into a full-length play and other characters and other elements. It's, it's changed quite a bit, but it had its first workshop performance in 2017 in Seattle, Washington, which is where I live. 
and and has really been developed ever since. And then now with the Abington, it's just it's the incarnation that Chad Austin has come up with vision wise on this piece just blows me away. I had it set in the living room and wait till you see it. This is just takes it. I, I don't know how to describe it. It just knocks it way out of the ballpark. So that's my story on that. I'm so excited to see it. Oh, that's incredible. Now, Brad, I want to bring you into this. And I'm curious to know, as a producer, you know, how did you come upon the show Till Death? Sure. So this show in particular, the, the dramaturg of the show, Dominic LaRuca Jr., and the founder of Blue Collar Artist Studios, he he and I have worked on some other projects. He's, he's a fantastic multi-hyphenate actor, producer, dramaturg developmental consultant, all of that. And I work with Blue Collar Artist Studio on that side, developing work. I'm a musician. I was a saxophonist most of my life. So I work on a lot of, you know, the musical side of things, helping develop lyrics and, and music for, you know, developing writers and, and all of that. I, I love new works. That's why it's been such a wonderful opportunity to work with Abingdon and, and Chad and their mission. So lines up with also what this podcast is, you know, giving voice to those who don't necessarily have the opportunity in this crazy industry we find ourselves in. So back to your original question, how did I, how did I run into Elizabeth and, and, and Grief Dialogues, uh, which is her nonprofit that this all kind of started out of. So Dominic LaRufa Jr., we worked together on like The Kite Runner a couple years ago and, and some other projects. And so he invited me to a screening of a short film called Honoring Choices that he produced with Grief Dialogues and Elizabeth. And I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that whole process, but I, I remember going to this screening and, and, you know, the movie was excellent and, you know, it was a great time, but, but what really struck me was afterwards, the conversations in that room were so honest and unexpected, you know, the taboos of talking about death in this society, it's, it's, it's hidden from us, right? And we don't know how to approach it. And I, I you know, I, I find the, the products of Grief Dialogues somehow get people of all ages and and creeds and races and whatever in a room talking about something that is usually very difficult, but in such a cathartic and and heartfelt and, and community building way. So as soon as you know Dom asked me to to join on the producing team and the creative team and, and get this thing going, I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend my time. That is fabulous. Oh, I love that. Brad, what has it been like developing the show, especially as we're we're heading into, you know, the opening and the first previews and such? Sure. I mean, as you know, as a theater person, it's it's crazy. You never know what to expect. Live theater is the most exciting thing in the world. And then especially, you know, with a project like this, it really so, so I, I, I started working with Elizabeth and Dominic a little over a year ago and they had they had been hard at work. For a while, you know, Elizabeth writing, helping with the dramaturgy and, dramaturgy and all of that. So when I joined, it was really kind of, we're going to do a New York production. What does that look like? And so we put our heads together and, you know, we had our, our choices and our options. And, and as you know, there's there's no one path for any show. In fact, I don't, I can't think of any show that's had the same path as another show. It's, it's, it's there's so many options and, and being a living, breathing medium you know as a producer i think it's my job to see all of the opportunities and and and, and when one happens you, you jump on it and you let it go and, and this production really snowballed you know last year we were talking about a, you know a mini or a showcase you know not 
two-time Tony Award-winning Judy Kay and Tony-nominated Robert Cuccioli and, you know, all of these amazing designers and actors, you know, that was that was never the initial thought. But, you know, this this story just really resonates with people. And the the support we've had from fantastic artists to to work with us on this project, Chad Austin, the entire team at Abington, you know, all the actors that I mentioned, Amy Hargreaves, Whitney Morris, Michael Lee Brown, the the input that they had they added in at the table reads that, you know, Elizabeth and, and the dramaturgy team could take and and develop and, and hone for these phenomenal artists. And you know, we 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 start tech today. So we're gonna see the whole thing together on stage. They loaded in the last two days. The set is built. The, the design team's been in there working furiously to, to get everything up. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a whirlwind. I'll say that. If, if I didn't make it from point A to point B, that's because that's the lifeblood of, of live theater. But it's, it's nothing if not exciting and fun. Fabulous. Oh my gosh, this all sounds exciting. I want to ask the two of you now, is there a message or a thought you hope that audiences take away from this show? And Elizabeth, can I start with you first, especially since you're the playwright? I think for me, the, the message I would like people to take away is it's never too late. And that can be it's never too late to tell someone you love them. They may have even got it already. You can still say I love you and you can still... Say goodbye. It's never too late to start something new. It's never too late to try a new job. It's never too late to write a play that's going to have its off-Broadway debut when you're almost 70 years old. So that it's not just what happens on stage, it's what happens all around stage. And that, that to me is probably the biggest takeaway. And also to me, to allow yourself to be vulnerable, whether it's a topic about death and dying or love or forgiveness. I hope what uh, I should back on one of the things that I love about the, the raw intimacy of live theater is being able when the lights come up at the end of it to be able to talk about it, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the acting or the dialogue or the set to have stuff to talk about in that way. And to me, that's the message. The message is whatever you, the audience member, appreciated or want to know more about or didn't like about the play and now you're going to talk to your friends about it that to me is the importance of theater that's my message that's fabulous brett how about you as a producer what's the message or thought you hope that audiences take away for me i i don't hope anyone takes my message or or any i, I hope it I hope it starts conversations. That's what initially attracted me to, to working with Brief Dialogues and Elizabeth. And, and I think it's just so important in society. This, this show touches on a lot of difficult, taboo subjects that, that I don't know how to start the conversation on. And if this show can start a conversation between anybody in the audience, I think that, I mean, that's the point of all of this. Grief Dialogues and Abingdon are both nonprofit theaters. It's, you know, and I've, I've worked on commercial projects as well, and they have their place, but there's, there's just something so special about working on a project, uh, on a project where the, the first thought and the most important thing is the impact on society. And so whether that's someone in the audience getting catharsis, I mean, I mean we, we chose to, to do a play about death in the holiday season. And I think it's appropriate because 
for those of us, for all of us who have had loss, the holiday season can be a really difficult time. And so we're really hoping that this show, beyond just being entertainment, can can be some form of community, provide some form of catharsis, you know, therapy through theater, you know, something along those lines, you know, letting, that's what theater's there for, right? To, to let us experience something that, that maybe we're having difficulty experiencing in our real life or, or expressing, you know? A show can make you cry in a way that maybe you're not vulnerable enough yet to cry about in your own life, but you, hopefully people will see themselves in, in these characters and some of the experiences and that they've been through and, and how they've dealt with it or not dealt with it. But yeah, so that for me, that's that's the most important thing is is building a community, having a safe place for people to have these emotions, to maybe have some catharsis. You know, Elizabeth and I have talked about, like she said, it's never too late. Even after the person's gone, sometimes we we grieve for, for years sometimes afterwards. I actually, I lost my childhood best friend almost three years ago to the day now. And the happy part of that story is he he's joining me as a co-producer on this project, Joshua Wright. So very thrilled about that. But that's my little bit of catharsis. And, you know, I've invited his family to come out. And, you know, as, as, as hard as being death portrayed on stage may be, for me, working on this project has been a healing and cathartic experience. Working through these characters' emotions on the page has helped me see death and, and my experiences in a different light. And and I, I genuinely hope that that speaks across to, to everyone that comes and sees the production. That is lovely. I love that. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to Till Death? And Brett, I'm going to stick with you first on that. Sure. I mean, I, I hope... Everybody that's available can go and see it. Another great thing about the non and working with the nonprofit theaters is we're able to keep our prices, you know, down a little low. Broadway is, and I understand, you know, these big budget shows, they have so many seats, you know, when you, when you have seven figures of weekly expenses, you know, it's to some degree, and this is a conversation for another podcast on, you know, the accessibility of theater and whether, you know, the luxury of it versus lottery tickets and all of that. But I think, you know, we and, and, and the Abingdon team and everybody is in the mindset of we want it as accessible as possible because I, I, I truly think there's something in this story for everybody. We've all we've all had loss, especially, you know, the past three years, you know, mental health and, and loss and all of that has really been uh, thankfully on on the you know, forefront of conversation. And I hope this drives that more forward. So any, anybody who's grieving or knows someone who is grieving or, you know, just, just wants to experience humanity a little bit. Beautiful. I love that. Elizabeth, what about you? Well, I want to ditto everything that, that Brett said. I want to add that I think it's really for anyone age 16, 15, 16 and up. One of the characters in the play is a young man named Nick. He's a 16-year-old boy, the grandson of, of Mary, who is the woman who's dying. And I really wanted to write that character to show the complexity of the teens come, come to death of someone they love, maybe never experiencing death before. Someone they love and and yet they don't understand death. It's, it's a foreign concept to them. Thankfully so in this country for the most part, right? But, but it's, as such, you know, a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or a childhood friend. And the teens 
the teens don't always have a role model or I'm not even that's probably not even the right term for this character, but they don't see themselves represented on stage in that way, during with grief and love or someone who's dying. So I'm hoping in addition to all the people accessible, I'm hoping that some teens will come and see it and, and have an opportunity to talk about what it's like, either to lose a loved one, a grandparent or whatever, or have lost a loved one and want to talk more about it. So I I'm going to add the teen group to what Brett was saying. I want to switch things up now and let our listeners get a chance to know the two of you a little bit better. Pick your brains, if I may. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And Brett, can I jump back to you first on this? Sure, that's always the most loaded question for a, for someone in musical theater, right? What's what's your favorite show? And then your brain starts racing of the hundred thousands of of shows that you've that you've seen over the years. I mean, I, as I mentioned before, I was a saxophonist most of my life, a classical saxophonist, believe it or not. I know you've never heard of that, and that's why I'm no longer a classical saxophonist. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I fell backwards into singing. You know, once you're a musician, they want you for the the choirs, and I fell backwards into into acting as well because you know and, and now I find myself as a producer so I guess I'm not really sure entirely what my backstory is but you know anything in the in the creative arts is fun for me I've gone off on a on a tangent on you <laughs> the influences for me I mean growing up as a, as a musical theater kid I mean Jason Robert Brown and all of his music and the, the storytelling frankly behind the lyrics in it because you know now I, I mainly produce plays uh, of course I look at musical theater and all of that but storytelling is is so important and so, so yeah I mean the, the the great lyric storytellers Stephen Sondheim you know I, <laughs> there's so many popping in my mind I'm having a hard time picking one or two, but honestly, a, a lot of the people that I've had the pleasure of being in the room with the, the last two, three weeks, you know, Chad Austin, another brilliant multi-hyphenate producing artistic director, and they could add 10 more, 10 more labels to his title at adding in there with, with all he does and all I've been able to learn from his artistic eye, his ability to, to bring this team together, all of the actors that I mentioned before, I mean, my, my my childhood heroes that you know I now get to say hello to and 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 watch bring Elizabeth's play to life. It's 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 fantastic, you know. That is a fabulous list. I love that, Elizabeth. What about you? What are who inspires you? Oh, well, I will say that I'm I'm an Edward Albee fan. I'm a Eugene O'Neill fan. I love the minimalistic style if you will I know that sounds odd when you think of like the piano lesson or you know those types of classical shows but that the storytelling the rich rich storytelling that you get from a from an Albie or a Tennessee Williams and so forth those are definitely my my playwright go-tos it's as far as you know foundation there are some current playwrights that I really love Doug Wright I enjoyed and enjoyed the night Oscar. James Anthony Tyler, who wrote some old black man. James is actually a playwriting teacher of mine and my playwriting mentor. I love his work. 
he just uh, we just did a reading for the drop off which he did i just i just he's he's a great current contemporary playwright as far as musicals since i don't do musicals but i i'm going to join in there and of course it, and this may sound like i'm jumping on a bandwagon but barbara streisand i'm sorry that woman is talk about multi hyphenated and my story around Barbara Streisand and how she has inspired me my whole life is I was seven years old. I was outside playing and my, it was Sunday night and my parents called me in. My mom called me in and said, it's time to come in and get ready for bed. And I was pissed. I didn't want to come in. I was having fun outside, climbing the tree or something. And I came in and I, you know, indignantly plopped myself on the sofa and they were watching the Ed Sullivan show. And on comes this 19-year-old girl who belts out Crimea River like it's a three-act play. That has resonated with me to this day. And she, in my mind, has taken everything she's touched and turned it into some beautiful storytelling. No matter what it is, if it's a song or a movie or a play, it is just brilliant. And she bucked the odds and she didn't let people tell her what to do or how to do it. And she's just been my inspiration from the get-go. So, yep, Barbara Streisand, Eugene O'Neill, and Stephen Sondheim. Sometimes these days, in particular in this last year, I feel like I'm living my own Stephen Sondheim musical. Thank goodness I don't sing it. But anyway, yes, yeah, Stephen Sondheim too. <laughs> that is fantastic. Another great list. Thank you for that. Now, you two are in two separate cities. Elizabeth, of course, you mentioned you were in Seattle. Brett, if I remember right, you're here in New York. Have either of you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Well, I'm just going to jump in. I guess I live outside of Seattle in, on Bainbridge Island, but I am currently living in New York so that I can fully participate in being here for this show. So I'm here for the entire run. I'm just loving it. My husband and I sublet an apartment in the East Village and living the life of a New York playwright. So exciting. So actually, since this trip, and I'll let Brett kind of chime in there, I haven't had the time to see any new shows. But I will say that when I was here before, my husband and I were both investors on Parade. That was extraordinary. Goodnight Oscar was extraordinary. Last season, The Piano Lesson, Death of a Salesman, excellent shows. So I'll let, I'll let the new stuff come out of Brett's mouth. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been focusing on producing so much the last three years. I could tell you probably everything that's going to be running off and on Broadway the next five years, but I have not had as much time as I would like to, to go out and see things. I also have a, a two-year-old son at home, Benton, and he takes up what little free time I have left over. But as Elizabeth said, I do remember seeing Goodnight Oscar, and that was a major standout last year. I'm very excited about some of these new shows opening this upcoming season. I'm not positive which ones I've seen and which ones have been announced, so I'll let you, let you go to Broadway World and see that list. But I, I definitely do have to say I'm biased, but... I also think Bias Decide, one of the best shows that I've seen. Full disclosure, I am a co-producer on Dracula, a comedy of terrors running at New World Stages. But it is, it's so funny. It's so well written. The cast is phenomenal. It's tight. It's humorous. I highly recommend it. I'm definitely going back and seeing it multiple times. Bias disclosure, you know, the whole bias is disclosed. But uh, I, I do think that team has done an absolutely wonderful job across the board and their marketing so fun if you don't follow them uh, they've gone viral on instagram and 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 tiktok and all of that and they do a wonderful job with you know happy opening posters and you know fun little things like that so that is fab you 
less. <laughs> Amazing suggestions there. I want to ask the two of you now, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Elizabeth, can I start with you on that one? Well, I, I think it's still the same favorite part that I had when I was 13 years old. I was, believe it or not, I was very, very shy. When I was 13, about to start high school, my mother forced me to take a drama class. And the rest is history. The one thing, though, that's kind of fun is my best friend since I was 13 is going to be at opening night. She's coming in from San Antonio, Texas. So that's really cool. My favorite part about the theater is the opportunity to use my imagination, to, to put on other people's personas, to be another person for a while, to be in a different setting for a while. There's nothing, I mean, I love my life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking for that kind of like, get me out of here. I, I just love, I love knowing when I go to a city, I like to know well, what's it like to live here, not just visit, you know, what do houses cost? Where do they go to the grocery store? And so to me, the opportunity to be in a play, whether I'm, I'm a member of the audience or the playwright or watching it all come together in a rehearsal, I get to be, I get to be somebody else for a while. And that's wonderful. So that. That's what draws me to theater. I think that's your question. Was that your question? Anyway. <laughs> that's a wonderful answer, though. I love that. And you know what? Kudos to your mom for making you take that drama class. Because who knows where you'd be if you hadn't? We wouldn't have this question. Exactly. So wonderful. Brett, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The theater is just my lifeblood. It's I don't know what else I would do with myself. I have other skills and other interests, but and I'll be honest, I've tried to get out of theater so many times. I keep getting roped back in. I've tried to leave New York City multiple times. Can't get away. It's just, it's, it, I know it's what I'm meant to do. And, and on, on the flip side of that coin, it's, it's the opportunity for growth. It's the opportunity to put yourself wholly into something, whether you're a producer or an actor or a writer or some of our amazing, you know, an amazing lighting designer or, or, or whatever it is, you're, you're able to take a part of yourself and, and put it out there for other people to see and possibly judge. So it's also scary, but we, we grow the most in the hardest and scariest situations. I'd be curious if you started asking your, your guests, specifically actors, how many of them considered changing their major or taking a minor in psychology. We're all in this because we want to understand ourselves a little better. And I think that that live theater is one of the most beautiful ways for self-discovery and, and discovery of others and the, the world as it is and, and perspectives that you don't have. And that's, that's so important, whether it's traveling or seeing theater, I think you get that same growth of perspective and, and, circling back to our things we've been talking about, starting conversations, getting perspectives, having conversations, or seeing conversations with perspectives that you don't have, people you don't normally interact with. And I think that's a great place to start the healing that I think we all agree this world needs right now. I love that answer. That's wonderful. I want to build on your answers a little bit. And I want to ask my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, I, I'll go first. My, my, it's not one memory per se, but it's, I've been lucky to have a similar experience over and over. So I met my wife at college, the first day of freshman orientation. And our sophomore year, we were cast as the Baker and Baker's wife in Sondheim's Into the Woods. And as all theater stories go, we started dating after that. And 
I, I, my favorite theater memories are the experiences I've been able to have with her. I never, I never, you know, I was a saxophone major. She was an opera, you know, voice major. I never expected, you know, I'm singing style, you know, I'm, I'm nineties rock, you know, rent, Jason Robert Brown, that kind of stuff. And she's classically trained. She can do it all, you know, mind you, but I never assumed we'd work together so much. We've been able to travel the world cruising together. We worked on uh, the Seahorn cruise line together, world cruises, crossing the Pacific multiple times. We've did a world premiere of, of a, a show Oswald that's still, still in development now uh, down in Texas five years ago. We've just been able to work together so much and it's, it's such a, a blessing to do it, you know, we still will uh, we'll sing at charity events from time to time. We did uh, Habitat for Humanity last year. We've done Star of Hope. And, and you know, we do a little two-person show, you know, singing throughout the events. And we usually like to pull out It Takes Two. And it's just really fun. We've got that college DVD, you know, it's still a square video on a camcorder of us singing, you know, It Takes Two. And then that moment in the song, you know. You've changed, and, and now I've got tapes from last year. We've got a two-year-old son. We're, we're in Act 2. Hopefully nobody cheats and gets crushed by a giant. But, you know, <laughs> to, to speak to the, to the brilliance of Stephen Sondheim, here we are with a two-year-old in, in Act 2 of Into the Woods, having literally lived Act 1 together. It's, it's yeah, so that's my favorite theater memory, is, is being able to, to enjoy it with my family. And, and now Benson, my little two-year-old, boy, he matches pitch and he sings full songs and you know hopefully he doesn't go into musical theater but <laughs> no hopefully he does i mean he's, he's got talent so i would love nothing more than to take the whole family out on a, on a cruise guest dance or something you know keep keep the arts in our lives it's as we've spoken this whole hour it's it's so important it's so powerful i love that what a wonderful memory i love that i love that thank you so much for that Elizabeth, how about you? Well, I'm going to share two memories, my very first and my last. My very first memory was graduating from high school in 1971. And my parents gave me a trip to New York City. What they were thinking, I don't know. I was 17 years old, but yeah. Anyway, they, we did. Nothing bad happened, so that was good. And my very first Broadway show, I saw Lauren Bacall in applause. I had my single ticket. I sat in the front row and I, I can still, I remember looking up at her. I can still see that like it was yesterday. Wonderful experience. My last experience, and I'm going to get a little choked up with this one. I shared parade with my son and daughter-in-law and we are Jewish. And I think that was probably the most amazing experience I've ever had in the theater was not only to share an amazing work of art, but to share a story that affected them as well. And to talk about what it means to be Jewish in today's world, not 1913 anymore, but in 2023. That was so powerful. And we're still talking about that experience. Sorry. Still, that was in August and I'm still getting choked up. So anyway, those are my, those are my two favorite memories, my first and my last. Those are beautiful. What incredible memories. What incredible incredible memories from you both. Thank you so much for sharing those. Oh, I love them. Well, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, I know Grief Dialogues has, has been 
you know, producing great things. I mentioned the Honoring Choices film and, and obviously Till Death opening in, in just a few short weeks here. And I know there's some other things in the pipeline, just again, you know, telling stories. I know there's a play cycle we've been talking about that, that gives a lot of writers an opportunity to have short stories and monologues. That was going to be this year's project, but when, you know, Abingdon said they, they, they wanted to take this project on and, and all of us to work together, how could we possibly say no? So we pivoted and, and here we are doing this one, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, once we get through all of this, we're going to hop back on that because, you know, I, I love working with Elizabeth and Grief Dialogues and, and the, the meaningful work that come out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'll, I'll let her speak more on, on what this dialect has coming on. I, of course, have Dracula running producer and Kite Runner is going to be going on tour in 2024. There'll be a spring and a fall leg. So you can follow them on Instagram for all of the announcements. They've, they've, I believe they've announced the first half of the tour. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, blue, my work with Dominic at Blue Collar Artist Studio, we, we love working with with new and emerging writers and composers and we've got a ton of work you know in in process that we're you know helping with dramaturgy or helping with developmental consulting getting some 39 hour readings together for people that kind of thing i've i've been roped into well not so much roped it's been one of the most lovely experiences of my life composing a new musical with uh, a mutual friend of elizabeth and mine uh, ina chadwick who's up in connecticut fantastic writer, lifelong writer, but delving into theater for the first time. And he had a wonderful play written and asked me to help write the music for it. So we spent the last year doing that. It's it's called Modern Farming. And uh, we're, we're getting ready to start pitching it out and, and, and seeing, seeing what kind of reaction we have to it. So I, you know, I, I'm very happy to be on this podcast in particular because you know, it, it, for the same reason, I'm I'm loving working with Abington and and Blue Collar Artist Studio and and developing you know a path to New York City, whether it's off Broadway or Broadway or off off Broadway, for the people that don't have the access and the millions. You know, nothing nothing wrong with these big budget spectacle shows. I love all of Broadway, absolutely, but you know, not not everyone can get into. Paper Mill, Alliance, and La Jolla every year. They do amazing productions, but they can only do so much. And so I would love to be a small part in this industry of helping build that road through the smaller regional theaters and getting younger artists or or less experienced artists or less connected artists the opportunity to develop their work and and then bring it to New York because, you know, we're not going to be able to change the industry at the top levels. You have to, you have to make a difference, whether, whether it's on the educational level or the regional level, and then expect that the work you do in those places will travel with these amazing young artists and new artists to New York as they bring their voice that deserves a platform to the table in this great city and this crazy industry that we work in. Love that, though. Well said. Well said. Elizabeth, anything for you? Yes. Well, as Brett mentioned, the grief dialogue, the play cycle, we have some new plays that we want to add to that and and bring that out in 2024. The other thing that I'm working on is a project called The A Chronicles, also with Ina Chadwick. That's a series of plays having to do with women's reproductive rights. And then lastly, or or lastly, I'm working on a new full-length play called The Book Club. It happens to be set in a funeral home. There's a theme going here, in case you hadn't noticed. And it is loosely based on my own book club back on Bainbridge Island. So right now, there are 12 women on Bainbridge Island 
biting their nails, wondering if they're going to end up in this place. So, so it's kind of, it'll be fun though. It'll be, this one will be a little more, a little more comedic than, than Till Death, but, but still a lot of fun. That is amazing. And with all these incredible things going on, that leads me to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about any of this, or in particular about Till Death, or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, I'll let Brett talk about the Abington Until Death. I have a website, griefdialogues.com. You can find out about Grief Dialogues. I have a personal website, which is elizabethcopeland.com, and that's copeland, C-O-P-L-A-N.com. And those are my two big websites, and Brett, take it from there. Sure, yeah. Uh, as for the show in particular, Till Death, definitely check out the uh, Abingdon Theater website. They they have all of the resources, everything up to date. Wonderful team over there. Shout out, shout out to Owen and, and Kate and Leon. They're, they're fantastic as well. And and, you know, I think more shows should recognize everyone that's involved. So, so many people are involved in shows that don't always get the recognition. So thank you to you guys as well. Yeah, check out their website. Their Instagram page is, is all updated on everything. We, the, the, the photo shoot a couple weeks ago turned out wonderfully. Um, we're doing, you know, introducing the cast and everything. So definitely check that out. As for my other, you know, developmental and, and producing works and whatnot, check out bluecollarartiststudio.com. That's, you know, founded by Dominic LaRuffa Jr. We, the company provides every service you can imagine for actors, producers, etc. Developmental consulting, dramaturgy, musical dramaturgy, voice lessons, audition coaching, etc., etc. It's a wonderful team over there as well. And then if, it, if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, my Instagram is at Ricky Brett, my last name, first name, R-I-C-C-I-B-R-E-T-T. Feel free to, to shoot out a message. I've, I've actually had uh, quite a few, I, you know, I, I encourage emerging artists to take that chance. I, I've actually, in the last year, had quite a few younger writers reach out to me on Instagram, like, hey, I just saw Dracula, and I really liked it. I'm a writer. I have a reading coming up. If I'm able to, that's what I do. I love going out and seeing. I, I go to hundreds of readings a year. I love I love seeing all these different stories, and, and you, never, you never know which one's going to really hit the audience that you want. So... Yeah, encouragement to everybody out there, you know, take take the swing. You know, you, you know what's going to happen if you don't. You never know what's going to happen if you do. I know Elizabeth will agree. We never expected to be sitting here with this level of, of production and this amazing team. I can go on and on about the entire design team, the actors, the Abington team, Chad Austin, just everything across the board. And it's it's because we took some really big swings and it's it's hard and it's scary, but when it comes together, it's just so rewarding and, and fulfilling and, and hopefully in a way that, that, that helps society and this, this community we have in New York. That is wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Elizabeth, Brett, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with me about this incredible show and about all the amazing things that you both have been doing and are doing. This has been just so wonderful. I really appreciate well, you both taking the time. So thank you both. Thank you, Andrew. This was just delightful. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was this was lovely. I, I really enjoyed ch chatting with you. Thank you both. Me as well. My guests today have been the incredible playwright, Elizabeth Copeland, and the wonderful producer, Brett Rickey, both who are part of the 
a wonderful show till death which is being presented by abington theater it's playing november 24th through december 23rd at theater row and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting abingtontheater.org we also have some wonderful contact resources for our guests and their many projects and production companies, which we'll be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But this is a show you are not going to want to miss. Not only is the cast phenomenal, but you heard it here, the production team, the writing itself, the story, the themes being dealt with. You can't go wrong with this. This is just such a powerful piece. Make sure you join us November 24th through December 23rd at Theater Row for this phenomenal piece, Till Death. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.